Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Ah, oh, that worship wrecked me. I am just... But you know what's so freeing about this, singing the lyrics, whether I sink, whether I swim, before you preach? Ah, oh, I'm undone. I am undone. So exciting. I'm so excited to share with you tonight. I'm just... This is going to be fun. This is really going to be fun. It has been five years since I preached in this church. I just want to honor Raj and Tan. You guys are amazing. Thank you for having me here tonight. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you for championing me for 10 years, over 10 years, over a decade. I was scrolling through my WhatsApp messages and there's messages from Tan through it all, through it all. They brought meals over when the kids came home. They prayed for my kids when they were in hospital. They have just been championing us. Yeah, for over a decade, so I'm just grateful for, for who you guys have been and the freedom that you've given me here. All right, let's see if this is going to work. Yes, we're alive. So I used to be a lecturer um, at quite a progressive university, so I've been trained in facilitating rather than preaching, but I'm excited to see what that looks like in the hillside space. Um, so let's, let's, yeah, let's see what God does with us this evening. I'm going to um, just pray quickly. Just put your hand on your heart. I really feel like no one is here by accident tonight. The people that have come tonight, God's got something for you. And um, yeah, God, I just pray that right now as I share that, that you would just impart something of your infinite wisdom and power and majesty in, in the words that I share. God, you are... You are worthy of our time, and we hold this space together knowing that we've come here to meet with you, and and there's already been a beautiful exchange happening in worship, but I just pray tonight as your word is shared that something would be deposited in people's hearts, and that there would be some shift happen. Just say of yourself, let there be a shift happen tonight. Awesome. Amen. So I'm going to speak tonight on the space between. There's this tension between the promises of God fulfilled and the process and this messiness that we call life and this this walk that we have with God. And and that's sort of what's just been on my heart. I feel prophetically to share it as well at this time at Hillside. So yeah, I'm just excited to see what what God is going to do. Now, listen, (laughs) I've gone all out. I had a lot of fun. But basically, I'm going to be using two anchor scriptures throughout this message. Psalm, um, little anchor, yeah, Psalm 16, and the story of Exodus. And I'm going to be reading from a, a few different translations, but the really interesting translation I'm going to be reading from first, um, I was talking to Caleb about what, what um, translation I should use, and he, and he said, um, you know, the NIV is good, and da-da-da-da, and the Passion Translation you can refer to, and the message, and da-da-da-da. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be using <clears throat> some interesting translations as well, which I'm excited about. I've also found when I was preparing that I've got a whole bunch of peas, so I'm just really excited because it all tied up really neatly. We've got peas. Everybody get excited about the piece so you can remember it. So we've got pain. I'm going to speak about pain. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Here's a preacher talking about pain. I'm going to talk about parallels, the parallel of the story that happens in Exodus. I'm going to speak about the position and the posture that we have. I'm going to speak about perseverance. 
I'm going to speak about prayer. I'm going to speak about pregnancy. Don't be afraid, men. It's going to get graphic. I'm going to speak about partnership and process and promise and practical tools in the end. Okay. So let's start with my first translation. It's called the HIP translation. Yeah. Have you heard of that before? The Hillside Interpretation. What was the P for? <laughs> Paraphrase. All right, so we're going we're gonna to go through the story of Exodus, and I'm going to ask some questions. I've got some chumps here as rewards for questions. So um, the story of Exodus, there was a man that um, led people out of a nation. What nation was that? What nation was that? Egypt. It was Egypt. Yay! Egypt. Yes. <laughs> okay, and then we saw, what was his name? Moses. <laughs> okay, and um, who was he asking? Pharaoh. Yes. <laughs> I don't even need the mark. Guys, this this uh, hillside. I can actually mute this because you guys are shouting and it's fine. <laughs> what was put on top of the the posts of the doors? Yes, come on. <laughs> and, and what did that represent? And if you, if you look at it, the story of the cross and the parallel between our walks with Jesus, Jesus' blood and sacrifice, Roger, come on, guys. It's your, it's your leader coming with the answers. I've got one last. Um, so basically, Moses led people into the desert, and then who led people into the promised land? Oh, everybody. Ah, oh, Pat, Pat Smith, legend in our midst. Come on. Okay, so that's the, the story, and, and there's some, something really interesting. There's some breakthroughs in the story, and, and, and it's such a beautiful graphic picture of the parallel between our walks with God and Moses taking the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land, into the desert for a little while. But um, there's breakthrough, and sometimes breakthrough comes in two ways. Sometimes breakthrough comes in a standstill moment where God asks nothing of us, and we just stand and we wait, and we sit and we wait. And he just comes through in the suddenness of God, and he just breaks in, and he's God, and he does it for us. And other breakthrough moments, God comes, and he requires something from us. He requires our participation. And um, sometimes he asks us to pray and persevere. Sometimes he asks us to walk with him in things. Sometimes it's radical obedience as well. <clears throat> and there's two scriptures in Exodus that really sum this up. Exodus 14, 13, where Moses says to the people, they were freaking out. They were about to, the sea was about to open, but they didn't know this. <laughs> they didn't know what was happening and they were, they were blaming Moses. They were saying, why did we leave? And, and God said through Moses, don't be afraid, stand firm for you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. He says, stand still and watch me move. That's the one kind of breakthrough that we see in the Bible. The other kind of breakthrough we see, <clears throat> oh, that was about position and posture. It was about waiting on the Lord, knowing that God is God and he can come and he can be sovereign. 
Exodus 23, 29, verse 29, we see something else. It's just before they're about to take the land into the promised land, and God says to them, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, everybody say little by little. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Meaning, there weren't any infrastructures in place, there weren't any enough systems, social social justice systems, people to be able to, home affairs, passports, there weren't enough for them to take the land and they could only take it little by little. And um, there enters this beautiful thing called process. (laughs) Called process. Called partnership. Called perseverance. I've experienced some of this in my own life in some radical ways. And um, I wanted to speak to you about this with my son Malachi and my other son Max. When I was 15, I went to Swaziland on a mission trip and uh, I held this, this little tiny baby. We were doing a crusade underneath the tree until about 10 o'clock at night. And at about 10 o'clock at night, everybody went back and away. And I had to hand this little baby over to another kid that was about eight to go into the darkness. <laughs> And I was wrecked. I was wrecked. Thinking about it now, and I just said to God, God, I want that baby. My parents, I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to find out if they can come to Swaziland, if they can adopt him. I I need that baby. I don't understand what's going on. And God said to me, you will adopt a little boy. His name will be Malachi. And you are going to adopt a a little brown, little black baby. And I held on to this promise. And when I met Ross, my husband now, I shared this with him. And he was like, cool, let's do it. Totally on board. So six years into marriage, after trying to fall pregnant first, because we thought, well, we'll see what God does first, and we'll, we'll wait, and we'll see. And we'll... I was desperate for this child. I'd waited for him for 15 years. And um, we decided to go ahead with the paperwork, and we filled out the paperwork, and I was, I was just radical. I did books and da, 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 da. you had to do this book of your family and it was like a coffee table book and I was just like just excited to 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 have my boy and we were approved and we were told we were pregnant paper pregnant and we were going to be waiting for this baby to arrive and I've never experienced such despair in my life <laughs> for those of you that have adopted you might know of the season I, I was a mess I was an abs- it was probably the, the darkest season of my life Chanel walked with me through that season. I couldn't get out of bed. I was 15 years of waiting for this boy. Uh, yeah, there, there are no words for how dark it got. <laughs> but um, we got a phone call. And by the end of that week, we had a baby. Precious Malachi. And he was just the suddenly of God broke through. And I just, I had I did nothing. I didn't have to birth him. I didn't have to carry him. This precious, perfect child was just put in my lap. And he was just amazing. And it just happened like that. Boom. God. The sudden ease of God. And um, after all that waiting, I experienced the sudden ease of God. And then you've got Max. My mighty Max. He was just a miracle from the start. He was just this, nobody knew where he came from. Nobody knew I could get pregnant. All of a sudden, I'm pregnant with Max. After um, 
yeah, miscarriage and a horrible season. We had applied for adopt, to adopt baby number two because we loved adoption so much. We were just really excited about adoption. And um, I felt pregnant. And I had to carry this baby for, for nine months. <laughs> and it was hard. Actually, 41 weeks. He stayed an extra week in there just to push me a bit, just a bit. And then 24 hours of labor without medication. And um, I experienced the other part of breakthrough where God asked you to partner with him and God asked you to walk with him and to persevere and to pray the promise. And little by little, little by little, I experienced the breakthrough of holding Max, my other miracle child, in my arms. And I think those Israelites having the suddenly of God where he said, be still and watch and wait. Watch what I'm doing. And before they took the promised land, little by little, I'm going to give it to you because I gave it to you all at once. The beasts of the land would overtake you. And you, you see these, I read this Instagram post from Justin Bieber the other day. I don't know if any of you read it, but <laughs> basically he was just sharing about becoming famous at like 13, just a YouTube channel. Next thing, he's got all this money, he's got all this fame, he's got all this power, and he didn't know what to do with it. And his life just became a mess. And you see these major sports stars that just get all this stuff, all this money and all these sponsorships, and, and some of their lives just fall apart because there hasn't been this, this character building and this partnership with God. And I think one of the beautiful pictures of, of the process of God is, is a baby and, and how it gets birthed, and you've got this promise of God, and it's like, yes. Thank you, Jesus. This is my breakthrough moment. This is what I've been praying for. By that stage, by the time Max was born, we had been married like nine years. Like, this is, this is my promise. But he's a baby that doesn't sleep and doesn't eat. He also decided he doesn't eat. So we had to walk this journey of like, this child waking up every two hours, and he was just like not interested in sleep. And, and like, God has given me this promise, but it's messy because I'm tired. I'm still tired. <laughs> to this day, I'm still tired. But, but, but God is asking me to partner with him and walk in this journey with him. And that's sort of the space between where we find ourselves, where God has given us a promise. And sometimes it comes through straight away. And then God has given us this promise that he's giving us little by little. And he's asked us to persevere. And he's asked us to walk with him. And um, using my children as an illustration, I, I really think that sometimes maybe some of you have, have got these things that you're sitting with, but they're a little bit messy and you're in the space between the things that you want and the things that you have, and you, you can't be content, and you've forgotten about the things God has already done for you, and all you can see is the things that you, you're striving for and the things God has promised you, and, and, it, and it's really confusing. And um, I've been going through the season myself. I think it's um, a little bit of the millennial in me. We like... Um, we think the grass is greener, and we like the next thing, and I love the next thing. I love the next thing. But, um, but I feel like God is, is asking us to wait and to understand that sometimes when he breaks in suddenly, the reason he's breaking in suddenly is because he is God, he is sovereign, he is Lord, and he has all authority in heaven to break through for us. And when he asks us to partner with him, in the breakthrough and in the miracle, it's because he wants us to know who we are and what we carry. Psalm 16 has absolutely wrecked me 
So um, I, I was chatting to Helen the other day, just saying, Helen, I'm tired. I need sleep. Sleep is... I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I just, I need this child to sleep through the night, but we can't sleep train him because he's not eating and he's so tired. And, and Helen said to me, Sky, sleep is the problem, but rest is the promise. And I was like, wow, Helen, that's profound. God's promise is rest. And so he's going to, I was like, God, take, take the nights. Take the nights. If I'm awake with Max, let's go. Encounter me. I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm walking this 13 kg baby <laughs> through my house. Let's go, God. And, um, and God asked me to go to Psalm 16, and, and I've just been, like, blown away by the psalm. But before I, I'm going to go through it verse by verse and, and pick out some things out of it, but I, I just want to read the whole thing out of my Bible because I've got such a history with this Bible. I was saying to Chanel, I lived in Malaysia for a year, and, and like, all my notes is, like, this 18-year-old girl and all these, all these things. I mean, I had nothing else to really do in Malaysia besides read the Bible, and, and the fruit of that season is still... <laughs> That season is bearing fruit in my life right now, but it's, it's really cool. I brought it with me, even though I've got the, the scriptures here. Keep me safe, O God. In other, in other versions, it says, preserve me. For you, I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones, and in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods, I will not pour out their liberations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even in the night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So I'm gonna go through the Psalm verse by verse and I'm gonna take something out and I'm going to show you what God has done for us. So verse 1, keep me safe, O mighty God. I run for dear life to you, my safe place. Keep me safe. Other versions say preserve me. David starts out in the psalm as like really low. He's saying, God, help me. <laughs> help me. And I can, I, David was a heart guy. He was just a heart guy. He had a heart after the, after the Lord. But I'm just a heart girl. I love, I feel with my heart, I experience things with my heart, and so I really relate to the Psalms, and I really relate to David, but he was just, he started off there, God, help, help. He prayed from a place of anxiety. How many of you have come to the Lord with a, with a prayer that starts something like that? Yeah. <laughs> well, what's so beautiful about my times with the Lord, and, and even the time in worship this tonight, it's just there's this beautiful exchange when we start from that place. It doesn't matter how we come to him, but when we start from that place, he turns it all around and we leave edified, but you'll see what happens. So someone, he starts here and like, Babat, you'll see where he gets to. Babat, so, um, Babat, the eighth verse. So I run for dear life to you, my safe place. Safe place. He started in pain, and we got from safe place refuge. Guard my refuge. Sorry, my nose is running a bit. Verse two, I say to the Lord, 
You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I say to Yahweh, you are Adonai. You are sovereign. You are master. I say to Yahweh, you are Adonai. Apart from you, I have no good thing, meaning all the good that we have comes from God, meaning God is sovereign. Sovereign and you are good. So out of verse two, we get sovereign and he's good. Verse three and four. I say of all the holy people who are in the land. So I say to God's people, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight, all my delight. To say something is all your delight is like, would be a sin if it wasn't in the Bible. But we love people because we love God. And the church has gone through the most beautiful season of, of talking about community and family and and there's something really powerful in this, in this portion of the scripture where we see God highlighting people and our need for people in this process. In David's process, in our process, in this walk, people get highlighted. And um, even, in this, even in my, when I go back to my analogy of my children, Max wouldn't eat and we went to the ped and then we went to the speech therapist. He, he got diagnosed with the eating disorder, went to OT, CFT, ENT, cranial, what, I don't know, we did it all. And um, after one particularly like, bad session, I was back at work and I was quite emotional about it because we weren't getting anywhere. And Ethan, where's Ethan? Ethan, I said to him, he said, how did it go? And I was like, oh, Max was just his true self. He just, he wasn't eating. And he said to me, Sky, no, that's not his true self. That's not what God has for him. Do you remember saying that to me? I was wrecked. I was like, but I was just full of tears and I just walked away. And I, God needs people. God uses people in our process, in our walk with God. When we come alongside people that edify us, that build us up. Chanel has championed me through the darkest seasons of my life, but God has given us people and all our delight is in people because all our delight is in God. And God is in people. And it's a beautiful picture. So we see people. Verse five, you, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. God is our portion. I loved the worship tonight when we were just singing, like, I just want you, Lord, you alone, Jesus, you are the one, you're the way maker. When we sit down, I just picture this feast before us with anything we want, anything we can have. And we say, Jesus, you are our portion. Verse six, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. The boundary lines, what kind of lines is David talking about? He's talking about Lands, like geographical lands, like a geographical place, but he's also talking about our inheritance. It's not necessarily real estate. A lot of people take that and they go, yes, God, the boundary lands, I'm going to have a big house and a car. <laughs> but it also speaks about the inheritance that we have, that he is our inheritance, and that the boundary lands have fallen in pleasant places because it's hedging us in. He is our portion and our prize and our inheritance. It goes with the scripture above it. God is our inheritance. 
verse 7 and 8, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. It's such a beautiful passage of scripture, but God is our counselor. And um, it said our, hearts, our heart instructs us in the night. And I, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes God can, can do miraculous things at night. When we're sleeping, there's times when he, in my life when he's woken me up to pray or times in my life where he's given me dreams and, and I'm seeing it now with Kai, he's a prophetic kid and, and, and God just, sometimes I'll be awake in the middle of the night and I'll feel the Holy Spirit doing something or I'll feel something happening and, and I don't really know what it is and, I'll, and Kai will be up and he'll come through because he's sensing the same thing and, and, and God is instructing us, our hearts are instructing us in the night and, and I've learned now, especially when the enemy comes, he, he, he comes to attack my sleep and, I, and I've realized now that um, because God is doing powerful things while we're sleeping. And if any of you battle with sleep, I, I just really just want to encourage you to, to hand over your nights to the Lord. And if you're up, say, God, let's, let's go <laughs> and see what he does. It's, it, can be, it, can be, it can be fun. So here's our counselor. Verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest Secure. There is rest in this process, in the, in the battle between where, where, where David starts out and, and where we are and our walk with God and, and the things that we have and the promises yet to be fulfilled and, and this road that we're walking with God, there is rest. And I love Luke this morning, he, was, he made us all do this and he was saying, we do nothing, we do nothing. And, and I, I felt it was just such a beautiful illustration of of what we bring, we, we, we rest. We rest in what Jesus has done, what he's accomplished. So verse eight was rest. Verse 10, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. This is where it gets exciting. So we see the why. We see why. Why David was so bummed at the beginning of the psalm. I don't know if any of you asked that question, but he was bummed because he didn't want to die. <laughs> he didn't want to decay. He was saying, preserve me, God. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. In 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, David has a promise, and this is his promise. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise you up offspring, your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. So basically David has a promise that even when he dies and he rests with his ancestors and the fathers before him, that from his bloodline will come the king that will establish his throne forever. That was David's promise. So that's what he's referring to in the scripture. And then Peter, in Acts, refers to the same scripture. He speaks a little bit about the Holy Spirit, first of all, and then he's explaining Jesus. And he says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to hold him. He was referring back to the prophecy fulfilled when David spoke in Psalm 16 about 
a Messiah that will come, that will not rot in the grave. He's speaking, um, Peter uses this to say, see, it's the prophecy fulfilled. Jesus is the Messiah, and he rose from the grave. This, uh, this bridge wrecks me every time that we sing it, and what a beautiful name. I don't know, you know the song. I just get excited every time this, this bridge comes on. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you. You silence the boasts of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever our God reigns. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. This is what Peter is talking about. This is what David is talking about. Both of them are talking about, because you will not abandon me to the realm of dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. They're speaking about the resurrection power of Jesus. Come on. Come on, guys. An eternal life. So we have the resurrection power and we have eternal life. Verse 11. Now it gets cool. You will make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. We have joy. We have access to joy in the process. We have unreasonable access to joy because of the resurrection power of Jesus. We know how it ends. We know how it ends. So look at it all together. In the process, when David starts off pleading with God, don't kill me, God, don't let me die. Then he goes straight to exalting Jesus for like eight verses. You are my reference. Yahweh, you are Adonai, you are sovereign, you are good. I will love your people because you love me. You are my portion, I set you before me, you are my inheritance, my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. You are my counselor, you instruct me in the night, you give me rest. You are the resurrection power of Jesus raised from the dead. I have eternal life, and therefore I have joy at your right hand and pleasures forevermore. I walk the path of pleasure. This is good news, people. This is really good news. Psalm 16, people, the golden secret. We have eternal perspective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have eternal perspective. Some of you might be in the middle of the desert. Some of you might be in the promised land. Some of you might be pregnant with promise. Some of you might be sitting with your promise, this little baby in your hands that won't eat or sleep. But I want to just give us some practical tools of how to deal with the in-between tension between the promise and the process. Number one, I want us to remember his faithfulness. I've seen some friends that have been a part of this church, that have been a part of other churches, and I've walked with the Lord. I've walked with the Lord most of my life, but I've seen friends come and go, and they've lost sight of the God that parts the sea for them. They've lost sight of the God that gave them promises, that gave them amazing things, and, and they hit hard times, and they hit the desert, and they, they lost sight of Him. And um, there's something so powerful in remembering His faithfulness. Caleb, I wonder if you could come up and start playing for me. 
I just, um, I just want you to turn to the person next to you, if you can. And I'm going to give you like three minutes to just tell them something God has done in your life, a promise fulfilled. To just remember it right now. Something you were trusting for, something supernatural that happened. Just turn to the person next to you. It might have been when you were five. It might have been yesterday. I want you to just share a little bit about what God has done, a promise fulfilled in your life. Go for it, guys. Something amazing that happens in the atmosphere when we remember, when we remember his faithfulness. You can carry on playing. Are you putting on some synth? But there's something amazing that happens when thankfulness begins to bubble up inside of our hearts and we remember his faithfulness. And this is just something, this is a practical tool I, I want for you this week is just to remember the faithfulness of God. If, if you can just share this testimony that you've told the person next to you to like five other people this week and just remember the faithfulness of God. Remember the God that parted the sea in your life. Number two, choose to partner. This, this is twofold. I really feel like some of you are just waiting and saying, God, come through like you did before. Last time I did nothing. You asked me to wait. And I feel like God is saying, choose to partner with me. Little by little, I gave you the land. Choose to partner with me in obedience and, and prayer and perseverance. Choose to partner with me. And the other, the other part of this choose to partner is, I really feel like God is asking you to partner with other people in their seasons. And I just, yeah, just practically want you to close your eyes right now and just ask God, who do you want to partner with? God might give you a face or a picture of a person that he, that he wants you to walk through, maybe part of their, their valley season or their desert season with them. Maybe somebody you're seeing is already pregnant with the promise of God and, and God is saying, I want you to partner with that person. I want you to walk with them and, and celebrate their victory with them and I'm gonna take you with them, like a slipstream in, with them into the promised land, into the things that I have for you. God, who do you want us to partner with? Just lay names and faces on our hearts right now. is going to give them a lens that they, when they look at their lives, when they look at their problems and their process and the mess of their lives and this in-between phase, that they look at it through the lens of eternal life, that, that even if it sucks the whole way through their lives, they're victorious because of the resurrection power of Jesus. And Helen gave me this prophetic word. She saw me taking off glasses and putting on binoculars. And I, I really feel like that for tonight, that some people have been looking and they've been living day to day on manna, or they've been living to the next thing or to the next season or, or just day by day. Even if it's maybe it's financial, they've just been living day by day. And, and God is saying, look up, look up. I've given you more things to look into. I've given you an eternal perspective. You are living from the place of victory. You're living from the promised land. You're living from promises fulfilled. I've already won. I've already won. I'm good. I'm good. All the time I'm good. You 
have eternal life with me. This is just a small section of, of, of eternity. Right now, I just, I feel like God is gonna give you this gift. It's a supernatural impartation of the lens of eternity right now. Just close your eyes and say, God, give me the lens of eternity. Let me see with new eyes. Let me see with new eyes. stuff that I'm going through, God, the disappointment, the pain, the process, the messiness, God, and the light of eternity, and the light of eternity. We are victorious. When, when you look at the span of our lives, it's all painted with just resurrection blood, resurrection life, resurrection power through Jesus that we're seated with you, God. In the end, you win. You win in the end, God. We're victorious. David, David even saw it in the Psalms. Let us see it tonight, God. We can rest secure with eternal perspective because you're just that good. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.